When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On a day where the AFL tells coaches and players to show respect to the umpires. Good evening and welcome to Time On. Great to have you with us this hour. Coming up a little bit later on, Cal Toomey from AFL.com.au will join me. Talk about the draft or how do young players try to make a career out of Australian rules football? How do they go about showing their wares in 2020? In this ever-changing landscape, this is something that recruiting staff will now be paying even more attention to. That's still to come. And I want to start the show tonight by talking about the recruit of 2020. Have your company here on time on a couple of minutes after six o'clock, Tuesday, the 28th of July. My name's Jack Heverin. Great day to be alive and nice to be with you. 1300 736 736 is the number to join me across the hour on the phone or on the text 0433 We'll catch you up with everything that you need to know on what's been another very, very busy day. And it is our last chance today to have a deep breath. Count to five. Maybe just spend one more night with the family because from there, the festival of footy begins. 33 games in 20 days. It's going to be a very, very busy schedule. How we go about it as footy fans, I don't know. Do you watch every game intently? Do you pick and choose the ones that you want? Are you marking some on the calendar? Everyone's going to have a different strategy, but we're going to see a lot of footy in the next little while and some funny old time slots as well, but... It's better than the alternative. The alternative of no footy was horrible, so hopefully we don't go back there again and we just march on with season 2020. I want to start tonight by talking about the recruit of the year. So one 736 736 to join me off the top this evening. This is really the last time that we're going to get to do this because of the amount of footy that's on in the next little while. Actually, I think after tomorrow night, I'm not even sure when the next time this show is actually on. So because of that, We are at the halfway point of the season now. I want to ask you, the Time On family, 1-300-736-736, recruit of 2020 so far. Now, we'll leave the draftees out. That's a different conversation that we've actually already had about the rising star. This is only for players who change clubs in the off-season. 
736 on the phone. 0433 98 11 16 on the text. We'll get stuck in your calls and I want to mount a case for a couple very, very shortly. To news at hand, Cats fans, you're not going to like this one. Tom Hawkins has been offered a one-match ban for striking Luke Ryan last night. Uh, based on the evidence, it was assessed as intentional conduct, low impact and high contact. And as a result of that, it's a one-match sanction. Jake Collajasny from the same game has been charged with a dangerous tackle on Michael Walters. So for Tom Hawkins, and I've pinched this stat off Mitch Cleary from afl.com.au, that's seven suspensions in the last 88 games. We love Tom as a player. He's an outstanding player, but it is a problem for him. There's no other way. Those numbers back it up. He does do some silly little things, and I was calling the game last night with Terry Wallace, and he said the same thing. He just does some silly little things from time to time, Tom Hawkins, and when he does normally, they cost him a week. So... Cats at this stage, unless they decide to appeal, will be without Tom Hawkins for this week's game. Speaking of appeal, Elliot Yo is up in front of the appeals panel right now, appealing his suspension uh, for striking on the weekend. So we'll keep you across that one during the hour. Other news from across the day. Good news for Tigers fans. Basher Hawley is on his way to the hub. Shane Edwards at this stage uh, is staying home, but the Tigers, uh, Bash will have to go through the protocols, but the protocols, but they will get him very, very shortly. And Archie Smith, the syndesmosis scourge of 2020, gets another one. Archie Smith from the Brisbane Lions. They've already lost Stefan Martin through injury, but he has now gone down with an ankle injury. Daniel McStay copped a two-week suspension for that incident with Neville Jetta on the weekend. And Ryan Lester, in a shocking run of luck for him, Ryan Lester injured both hamstrings at once. So he'll miss a, a substantial chunk of footy as well. So Brisbane will have to go to their depth. They'll be tested for the first major time this year as well. And I would say that at this stage, um, barring any sort of selection shock, I would say that the Lions will go in one out against Essendon with probably Oscar McInerney. Just on that, I wonder what the Bombers do. Bell Chambers, I thought, was... Okay, but just okay. You wonder whether now, with no Stefan Martin and no Archie Smith, you wonder whether this is the game to pull the trigger on Sam Draper. I hope they do, and I reckon Bombers supporters will, will speak in unison and say that they hope they pull the trigger as well. be interesting to see how the Bombers pick their team, and we should have uh, some squads or at least some teams for, uh, for Wednesday night's game against Richmond. They may filter through uh, a little bit later on as well. More on Elliot Yo. We'll keep you up to date with that. And a little bit later on this hour, I've got the AFL statement on umpiring comments that we'll get to a little bit later on. I'll read it for you, and you can tell me what you made of it. But our topic for tonight, the hot topic here on Time On, one 736 736 on the phone, 0433 on the text. I wanted to go with this last week, but knowing that we sort of had this festival of footy coming up in, in the next few weeks, this is really, tonight, the last chance that we have to go through it. So who is the recruit of the year so far? Got a stack of your texts to get through here as well. 0433 There'll be some very obvious ones, and I reckon a couple of the obvious ones will go down straight away. But there's a couple that, even if they're not the recruit of the year, they have added something to their team and they have fulfilled their role perfectly for why their team went and got them. There's one I want to talk about. He's not number one on my list, 
but he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what he's done for Carlton this year, and that is Mark Pitnett. He's been fantastic for the Blues. He came in, granted he may not have got the opportunity if Matthew Cruiser didn't get injured in, in round one, but since he's come into the team, he's averaging the best part of 25 hitouts. He's given them a little bit around the ground, and he's just a competitor. He's just a good, tough, honest competitor. And the Blues mids have got something to work with now. So even from a ruck standpoint, when he's coming up against the absolute best, he's still providing a contest. He won't be the recruit of the year, but I reckon he gets a, an honorary mention, Mark Pitney, for the work that he's done with Carlton this year. But to your calls, one 736 736 At the halfway mark of this weird and wonderful season... Who was the recruit of the year so far? Billy's in Melton first up tonight. G'day, Billy. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Hey, Saints have had a few good ones, but um, in particular, I'm going to have to go with Dan Butler, I reckon. What have you seen? Um, well, there's a lot to like about Dan Butler, but tell us why you've gone with Dan Butler. Uh, well, early on in his Richmond days, he was pretty good. Didn't end up playing a lot of footy, so I didn't expect much from him. And this year, I reckon he's almost our best player. He, you know, he, he doesn't miss very much, and uh, just his presence around the forward line is unmatched. He wouldn't be far off, would he? Like, if you were looking at your best and fairest, Jack Steele's had a great season, Billings has been pretty solid, but Dan Butler, Dan Butler's actually, I reckon, been the difference between winning or losing a couple of games for you. Oh, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um, and there's a few other recruits in there that could probably uh, be in our top five, I reckon. Yeah, you've done well, the Saints. And Paddy Ryder, I reckon, in the last couple of weeks, has started to make a claim. Before that, bit slow to get going, um, but the last couple of games for Paddy Ryder have been really, really good. Billy, thank you for your call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We're talking recruit of the year so far because tonight is the last time, the last chance we're going to get to do this for quite some time with footy rolling through just about every night. Tony's in East Bentley. G'day, Tony. G'day, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Recruit of the year, mate. What are you making of it? I've got to say, it has to be Pat, Paddy Ryder at St Kilda. I don't think there's been a player who has single-handedly dominated a game like that anywhere oh, for four, five, six years. So, uh, since Dustin Martin was in, in that brilliant form a couple of years ago. It was amazing. He was the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, he was, he was superb. And I, I, for one, Tony, and I'm happy to put my hand up here, I had serious doubts that Paddy Ryder and Rowan Marshall could work in the same team. And for those who listen to the match committee on a Thursday with, with Terry Wallace, we've spoken about it week after week after week, and we both agreed that we just didn't think the balance was working. My biggest issue with it, Tony, and thanks for your call, it was not so much about Paddy Ryder. Was I was worried it would stifle the development of Rowan Marshall. And the first game that they played together... I was even more concerned about it. Marshall kind of, to me, kind of got pushed into a forward pocket and a little bit of relief ruck roll, and yeah, I, I was worried for him. But they found common ground last weekend. Marshall was superb, Ryder was superb, and it worked beautifully. So, Paddy Ryder making a claim, no doubt about it. Rob's in Tassie. Evening, Rob. Yeah, good day, mate. Uh, yeah, Dan Butler. I mean, St Kilda, what small change, and they got him. Um, yeah, so value for money would have to be in, wouldn't it? And they don't... And, and before he got there, they didn't really have anything of of what he is, really, did they? They didn't have that type of player in their lineup. Well, no, I mean, 
he's sort of not exactly the same, but sort of small forward, sort of like Stephen Milne scenario. Yeah, and when I say they didn't really have a small forward, they... They've had Jack Loney on the list for a couple of years and, and he's been steady, but I don't know that Jack Loney's going to win you too many games. Dan Butler is taking them a long way towards winning games of footy, as I mentioned earlier. 15 goals, he leads their goal kicking. He's 34 tackles for the year as well, so his forward pressure is there and that's the Richmond model and that's exactly what St Kilda would have wanted from Dan Butler. When you consider what they gave up or didn't really have to give up to get him, He's been an outstanding selection. one 736 736 If you just joined us, it's the last chance I reckon we're going to get before we really get stuck into day in, night in, night out footy. I want to talk about who's been the recruit of 2020 so far because a lot could change between now and when we next get together. Dave from Turidan, you've just dropped out, so give us a call back. Uh, Mark's in Bacchus Marsh. G'day, Mark. G'day. How you going, Jack? Good, thanks. Mate, I think it's pretty obvious. I think it's a slam dunk and it's Dan Butler, like everyone's already said. Most people, anyway. I know there's a few Ryder fans out there and he played extremely well the other day. Mm. But over the season, I think Butler, if you've got to go 3 2 1 every week, like a Brownlow, I reckon he's either getting three or two votes just about every week, probably averaging 2.5 votes if you average it out per week already. He's already home, mate. He could be injured the rest of the season and still be the recruit of the year. He, he, so he, but, he could go out now and still win this award, you reckon, Mark? Oh, without a doubt. Like I said, if you had to do a 3-2-1 across the league of the best recruits every week, he's either three or two votes every week, pretty much. So I'd, I'd give him an average of 2.5, what, over nine games or whatever, whatever we played, eight games. <clears throat> um, yeah, and move forward from there. So that's what I reckon. Hey. But I think Alex Keith, as well, for the doggy, just flying under the radar... Definitely. Doing very nicely in our defence. Yep. Taking one of the big men, and I think, you know, looking at our defensive numbers, I'm pretty happy. So he's obviously doing his job. Yeah, definitely. With Alex Keith, you raised a really good point on him, Mark. I had him on the short list. With Alex Keith, and, and this is for doggy supporters in particular, you're not going to get a guy that's going to have 20 disposals, eight rebound 50s a game, and eight marks. That's not him. Alex Keith is your complete lockdown defender who plays his role beautifully. Yeah, he can he can help you springboard out of defensive 50, but he's not he's not that sort of player. He's not Darcy Moore. But you didn't need that because you've already got enough run and carry off halfback with Johannesson and, and Caleb Daniel. You really needed a bolting lockdown defender. Keith's doing a superb job of that. Dave's in Turidan. Dave, good evening. Yeah, good up, mate. Yeah, um, uh, I reckon uh, Pitnett and Jack Martin... Um, I'm not too sure about uh, Paddy Ryder, mate. Like, he was dropped for three or four games, and all of a sudden he's the best recruiter of the year. I don't agree with that. No, he's had a good fortnight, I reckon, Paddy Ryder. It's, it's a good point you raise, and it's a point that shouldn't be lost. He's had a good fortnight, and I just spoke before about him and Marshall working in the same forward line, and they're starting to make sense of all of that. I wouldn't say that it's been completely locked in as yet, but... He is just starting to really stamp his authority on this St Kilda team as well. Dave, thank you for your call. Harry's in Donvale. Harry, good evening. G'day, Jack. How are you? I'm good. Um, I think you stole a bit of the thunder before. Uh, Recruit of the year depends on what you need in your team, and Alex Keats is certainly one for us doggy supporters that has filled the gap quite well. 
He has. He, Harry, take us to the other end of the ground. As a doggies man, how, how are you feeling about Josh Bruce so far? Well, I think he's still feeling his way. I mean, you know, he's had a standout game recently, but I guess we've got to forget the other reason he got brought there was to help the younger doggies forwards, and uh, unfortunately for Norton, he's been out injured. So uh, when he's there, he actually takes a bit of the load throws himself into the ruck. I think, um, you know, from a bigger body and experience perspective, he's probably done more than what people give him credit for. Yeah, he'll get there. And, again, he's the sort of player that he's going to fly for everything, and that's good for small forwards because if he's flying and creating a contest, the ball's on the ground. He had that big game against North Melbourne. I reckon by his own admission, he'd want to be kicking a few more goals, but I wouldn't say that he's been going as badly as what some people have said. one 736 736 on the phone. Peter and Brendan, stay there. You'll be the first two on the other side of this, and I've got a stack of your text to get through as well. 0433 98 11 16 on the text as well. We're talking the recruit of 2020 so far. More of your calls and Cal Toomey from afl.com.au to join us here on Time On. with Jack Everett. Good to have your company on time on. one 736 736 to join me on the phone for the hour. Cal Toomey from afl.com.au and part of our trade radio team is going to join us in about 15 minutes from now. We'll talk about the draft. What does it all look like? Are we having a draft? Where is it? How are the youngsters going to get their chance to show their wares? We'll work our way through all of that very, very shortly. We're talking recruit of the year, though. one 736 736 I preface that by saying we're halfway through the year and with all of this footy that's about to come up, we're not going to get a chance to talk on this show for a few weeks about something like this. So I wanted to do it tonight. Who has been the recruit of 2020 so far, in your opinion? I've got... An AFL fan emblem pack to give away. I'll try that again in English. An AFL fan emblem pack to give away. Stick to vehicles, laptops, most things. Visit fanemblems.com for retailers. Off the text, uh, this proud St Kilda supporter says, I'll give you six options. Dan Butler, Paddy Ryder, Dougal Howard, Zach Jones, Brad Hill or Jared Ruffhead. Look at the Saints kicking this year. The Saints have absolutely nailed it. Perhaps the best off-season we've ever seen. They did get very proactive in the off-season. And it's all worked so far. Jock from Shepparton says, I think Tim Kelly is about to ramp things up. His last few weeks have been very good. Yeah, that's the best game that I've seen him play for the West Coast Eagles on the weekend. No doubt. He had a big influence on the game. And Dino's a Hawks man and says, Will Day shines for the Hawks on a disastrous year. He doesn't quite qualify for our conversation tonight, given that he was a draftee and not a recruit. But... Um, yeah, he's coming along nicely, isn't he? Keno in Aspendale says, by the end of the year, Tom Cutler will be in the conversation. I noticed that he's in the mix again for this week's team for the Bombers. Um, he might get the chance to prove Keno right on the weekend. Peter's in Northgate. Peter, thanks for holding on. How you going, mate? Good. Jack, I reckon one guy, and I know we all say the players that play for our team, but without him, I can't see my boys winning too many games. That's Mark Pirinay. Mm-hmm. Hasn't he been fabulous for you, Pete? Amazing. And you consider who he's gone up against. Talking guys like Mac Gorn, Max Gorn and guys like that. We've got no crews down. And, uh, you know, without him, we would have been in a lot of trouble. And I think he's held himself really well. He's been everything and more, Peter. I, I, love, I love that we're talking about Ruckman again in this capacity. 
I love that we're talking about the game of Nat Newey on the weekend and how he, to be honest, he took Brody Grundy apart. Not many people are doing that. We talk so much about Grundy and Max Gorn, how good they are. Todd Goldstein belongs in that conversation. But I love that we're back to the point where we're talking about Ruckman and them being meaningful in your team. It only feels like a couple of years ago that we were forecasting the death of the big man and that everyone would just go with Sean Grigg types around the ground. Ruckman are very, very important. But he's been fabulous, Mark Pitney. I spoke about him uh, off the top of the show, and I agree completely. Phil in Murrumbina says Pitney's been superb. His name's coming up a lot. There's one name on the text that's coming up a heap. I want to see if it comes up on the phone first. David's in Mernda. Hi, David. Yeah, g'day, Jack. Uh, I was actually going to nominate, I reckon uh, there's two of them from St Kilda. I would say Brett Ratton and the other one would have to be Jared Ruffey. I reckon those blokes there, just with their, um, you know, what they've dealt with previously and where they've come from, um, I just think it's a really good balance for St Kilda um, and doing really well. I'm just trying to wonder what the player's name is also that was from Brisbane that's now at Gold Coast um, as well. Uh uh, Jared Lyons. Sorry, that's Yeah, that's it, Jared Lyons. Yeah. He, he's also just, you know, I think he's under the radar a little bit also, mate. Yep, yeah, he's been fabulous. And, and his first year for them last year was superb and he's he's carried on that form, no doubt about it. Yeah, he's been a fantastic pickup. Makes you wonder why he couldn't keep his spot in that team. Something was, was definitely wrong, but it wasn't working. Brendan's in Camberwell. G'day, Brendan. Brendan, are you with us? I think we might have just lost Brendan there. He might have been getting all of his notes together about who the recruit of the year was, and we just lost him. To the text, 0433-981116. That name that I mentioned that's been coming through thick and fast off the text, and well done to about oh, probably 20 of you, I reckon, at, at an absolute minimum, who have texted in this name, Hugh Greenwood. He has been superb for the Gold Coast Suns. He leads the competition in tackles. His clearance numbers are really, really strong. His contested numbers are really, really strong too. He's second in the competition um, for contested possessions. I'm just trying to get his clearance numbers as to where he ranks in the, the season as well. But he has been so, so good for Gold Coast. And this is not the time to talk about Adelaide. Uh, Hugh Greenwood's sixth in the competition, by the way, for clearances. It's not really the time to talk about Adelaide and sort of where, where they've gone wrong and no, no Betts, no, no Jenkins, no Greenwood, et cetera, et cetera. We can park that for another day. I reckon Crows supporters are going through enough at the moment. But how Hugh Greenwood wasn't in that best team last year and isn't it still on their list, that's got to hurt because he's playing really, really good footy and consistent footy for the Gold Coast Suns. I think he's been absolutely superb. And he's in the conversation, no doubt. I reckon... If I had to try and map it out off the text, and we're up to about 210 texts for the show already. If I had to try and map it out for the text, I'd say that Dan Butler would be leading with probably 60% of the votes off the text. Hugh Greenwood would be the next one in the line after that. There's a couple of other names I want to talk about shortly as well. I think we've got Brendan from Camberwell back now. G'day, Brendan. Uh, g'day, how are you? Good, thanks. That's good. Um, I was thinking maybe... Uh uh, with the Gold Coast, either Brandon Ellis or um, oh, what's the fella that came over from Adelaide? Uh, Greenwood. Greenwood, yeah. Just seemed to straighten them up a little bit, gave them a, and, and also a better um, attitude, I think. Yeah, I think with, with Hugh Greenwood, Brendan, appreciate your call. With Hugh Greenwood, he, he does give them attitude, a bit of grunt around the footy, 
And you think about with Matt Rowley out for most likely the rest of the year, but Swallow gives grunt. Greenwood's tough, gives a bit of grunt around the ball. Then you've sort of got the, the in and under work of Anderson, the polish of, of Lockie Weller, whether he's coming off half back. Now, that midfield's starting to really take shape, and, and Greenwood's been a major part of it. Brandon Ellis's name has come up a bit on the text, and when Dash and I sort of sat down and put our list together, we had Brandon Ellis in the conversation too. I reckon with that, it's more of a let's pick that up at the end of the year with Brandon Ellis because he was a bit slow to get going, had an injury in there as well. He's, he's only played – well, he missed one game, I should say, but I think we're just starting to see the best of Brandon Ellis at the Gold Coast Suns, and we're just starting to see – uh, what he's capable of for them week in, week out. Andrew off the text says it's got to be Tim Kelly. There isn't a single guy mentioned capable of playing the game that he played on Sunday. I can't argue with that. We're talking about an All-Australian. So on that logic, Tim Kelly for sure. Again, another one that maybe we should park that to the end of the year and, and see what it all looks like. But Tim Kelly's start to the season was slow. It was devastating on the weekend. 29 disposals, broke lines against Collingwood. He was arguably the best player on the ground. But um, before that, there was a couple of just sort of so-so games in there. He started to work it out. He started to hit his straps in the next few weeks for sure. Joe from Geelong says, Jack, 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 how can you not mention Jordan Ridley for Essendon? Um, he's probably another conversation Ridley, it doesn't quite qualify for the criteria of tonight. We've been talking about players that have come from another club. Ridley's come from the draft. He's having a fantastic year. He could very well be, if he keeps this sort of form going, he could be All-Australian squad, Jordan Ridley. And I don't say that with any sort of grand statement. It's not a hot, ta hot take or any of that sort of crap. I just think if you watch Jordan Ridley week in, week out, He's had a really, really good, consistent season for the Bombers. Keep your text coming. 0433 98 11 16. Some more love for Brandon Ellis. A bit more love for Hugh Greenwood now as well. And, yeah, a lot of love for Hugh Greenwood, actually. Jack Martin's name coming up a fair bit too. I'll come back to your text a little bit later on in the hour. Cal Toomey from afl.com.au will join us after this. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on with Jack Everett. Good to have your company on Time On. The hot topic tonight has been the recruit of 2020 so far. Keep your text coming, 0433-981116. That's 0433-981116. The Bulldogs and Richmond will do battle in Wednesday night footy. Yeah, even just saying that sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it? The teams are in. Sam Lloyd and Toby McLean in for the Dogs. Callum Porter out injured. Lockie Young out omitted for the Tigers. Jack Ross, Oleg Markov, Sydney Stack, who from all reports was very good in their last uh, scratch match, whatever they are now. And Trent Cotchin in. Good news for the Tigers fans. Daniel Rioli omitted. Jack Graham omitted. Nick Floston injured. And Patrick Nash has been omitted as well. We'll come back to that before the end of the hour. But with so much uncertainty going on with the competition and what it all looks like, before we know it, It'll be almost time, particularly for those teams in the bottom half of the ladder, to start to look forward to the draft and start to plan for the future. The problem is, what does the draft and the pathway program look like in 2020? The best in the business when it comes to this by so far that the others cannot even keep up is Callum Toomey from afl.com.au. Cal, welcome back to SEN. Always a pleasure, Jack. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm very good. Thank you for being with us. Um, how... 
how are recruiters, and I know you, you've got a great relationship with all the club's recruiters, how are they approaching this year, given that we're just, I mean, for where we are now, almost a, at the end of July, we would have seen a, a bulk of games, yet we've barely seen any from any of the, the next crop of youngsters. How are they going about things at the moment? Oh, it's been a, yeah, obviously a very different year for how they're approaching their craft as recruiters. I mean, they basically industry-wide at the start of the shutdown period were mainly stood down. So they were off work mm. for two to three months, largely across the competition. Didn't mean they stopped work because a lot of them were actually still going through uh, plenty of vision and, and sort of scouting through the vision from last year's games and even under-16s games a couple of years ago. So they had a, a reasonable eye on this year's crop, even if they didn't return to any games. But since uh, sort of footy has resumed in different parts of the country over the past six or seven weeks, they started to get back to work. And obviously that's meant that they can watch some of these sample games, which have been streamed live on the sample website. And also those lucky enough to be in South Australia have been able to get to those games. But there's been WA footy across uh, Nullarbor as well. There's been some games and prospects popping up in New South Wales and Queensland and even Tasmania. And I know that even over the past couple of weekends, recruiters have gone down to Leon Gather to watch uh, a couple of boys play. They've been up to Shepparton to watch some games on the weekend. I know uh, Henry Walsh, the younger brother of Sam Walsh, played for Cobden on the weekend. So some of the country boys in Victoria are getting some action um, in terms of getting back to some games in recent weeks. So it's just the Metro guys basically in Victoria, the Metropolitan um, prospects. And that usually accounts for more than a quarter of the draft yeah. every year. We haven't seen them since March. So yeah, it's definitely uh, tasked the recruiters with some uh, some different um, challenges this year for sure. Yeah, so NAB League wipe, wiped out at, the, at this stage and then obviously there's the, the private school system as well which has been wiped out. So for so many of these metropolitan Victorian-based kids, we'll deal with them first. How are they and their managers going about getting in front of recruiters and, and showing what they've got given that they can't actually play right now? Yeah, they can't and they can't train. Um, yeah. So they haven't really been able to do that obviously and, and, and get out and about. They were looking forward to sort of obviously getting to play some games. They would have started playing in the uh, APS competition, a lot of them, last weekend. They would have been ready to play in the NAB League um, in the late August competition. That'll still go ahead to the country teams at this stage, but the Metro teams have been basically wiped out from that competition. Look, they're interviewing with recruiters. Recruiters over the past three or four weeks have been allowed to interview the prospects via Zoom. And I know some clubs have tallied up 50 to 60 interviews across that time. So there has been some opportunities to get in the face and in front of these players and prospects and talk about what they've been doing through this period. And I think clubs have been able to find out who the self-starters are, who've, who've used this opportunity to, you know, if it's to train in the gym at home or if it's to um, improve your running and go for a run every morning and every night or um, whatever it is, or throw yourself into your study. Who are the guys that have taken this opportunity to do something that might benefit their footy in some ways? That's certainly been an option for them, but there's no doubt that um, just unfortunately through circumstance, the guys who are playing in WA and South Australia are going to get a, an extra look in because the Vic Metro guys just aren't out there at the moment. The, the situation's moving daily in, in Melbourne. Is there some sort of plan in place potentially to, even if it's a little super series or a, a bunch of games in, in a short space of time later in the year, is there any sort of plan in place for the Metropolitan kids, given how much of the draft they make up each year, as you say? Yeah, I mean, up until a month or so ago before the second wave did hit Metropolitan Melbourne, there was the idea that there might be an opportunity to do a, a shortened or condensed 
National Carnival in October, which would have also coincided with uh, a, a scaled-back NAB AFL draft combine as well. So it would, mean, it would have meant uh, that clubs or teams from interstate could have come here and been based here, play a round-robin sort of tournament, even if it's Vic Metro versus Vic Country a yep. couple of times, just play back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back and get some opportunities in front of recruiters against the best and playing with the best uh, and also do some some sort of testing around that and some interviews that would usually take place around that time during the combine. Given as well, we know that Victorian exams have been pushed back a little bit too, so that would afford some extra time to do that around that period. However, with the situation as it is now, you'd have to say that that's in, in real doubt. And you really feel for these kids because a lot of them are in year 12, obviously. They would have been uh, hyped up to, to impress. And this is the draft year that they've all wanted for so long, not to mention finishing school as well. So it's a pretty significant year of the year that's of year of their life that's been uh, significantly altered. So um, it's an, a really tough position for a lot of these kids. Um, I know there's there's a lot of tough positions out there in the world at the moment, but you do have to feel for the draft prospects who haven't been able to get out there at all so far in 2020. Footy's number one draft guru, Callum Toomey, joining us tonight on SEN. Cal, is it a good year to be a mature age player? You mentioned that the other state leagues are back up and running pretty much everywhere else. Is it is it a good year to be a, potentially a Callum Wilkie or a Brad Close like we saw last night, given that you can actually play some games and show what you've got? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's, that's not a bad point. It's, a, it's an opportunity for them. And also remembering as well, Jack, there hasn't been uh, a mid-year mid-year draft or mid-season draft as well this year, which we know 12 or 13 players last year were taken mid-season. So that sort of group of mature ages who were so good early in the season last year were taken mid-season. And then the end-of-year draft didn't have as many of those mature ages. So there's going to be a year and a half between last year's mid-season draft and this year's end-of-year draft. So it's an opportunity for those guys. I still think the majority of the picks will will be, uh, you know, of that the 18 or 19-year-old prospects of um, shown a bit, and I'm backing in the in the recruiters. I think that over the vast majority of work they do, according to under 16 vision and under 17 vision, and the bits and pieces that they saw at the practice games earlier this year. Look, they might not be as sure of the top guys. They won't be as sure of the top guys because I haven't seen enough of them. But I think you have to back in the work they do and the vision they've seen. And you know, there might be some surprises. There might be some good guys who slip back a little bit yep. than they might have otherwise. Who, you know, the Andy McGrath or the Tim Taranto or the Hugh McCluggage, these guys who blossom in their draft age year might not get the chance to do that at under 18, under 18 level this year, but they might get a chance to do it in their first year at AFL level. So we might see some surprises, but I think for the large majority, it'll be 18-year-olds. Is there an impact for next season as well? Is there that concern that it could flow on with the, the bottom age talents not being able to get their chance and to get themselves listed and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, there is, but I, I think the other flow-on effect is actually could be a positive one for next year. I mean, I'm, the grass is always greener, Jack, and <laughs> the little brother's yes. always better. Yep. But I, I do I do think that uh, next year's draft is looking very, very, very exciting. And that's not even contemplating the guys who might not get a chance this year because they haven't been able to get out there and show themselves. So it could be a draft and a half next year, if you know what I mean. Mm. The guys who might not have got that opportunity to present themselves this season We'll come back next year. We hope things are back to normal by then or a sense of normal by then and get out there and, and really press and make sure that next year's crop includes some of the better players from 2020 who might have been overlooked and might be overlooked at the end of this year, plus what looms is a really, really exciting group next year in you know, classy midfielders and a real mix of midfielders next year, whereas this year's probably the more athletic tools at the top end. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for what we've seen from the under-16s last year and how they present as draftees for next year. So finally, in line with that, you've led it in beautifully to the, the last thing I wanted to ask you. Could we see some clubs with the, the list potentially dropping back in size and uncertainty on the soft cap, plus, as you mentioned, the, the, the draft, the, the way it looks this year. Could we see a few clubs that go with the minimum amount of picks and, and leave their options open for 12 months from now? Yeah, that we could. And what, what we could also see is um, some changes potentially around, and the clubs are still waiting on this. They've been talking about it with the AFL for a while, whether there's some changes on what minimum and maximum picks actually means this year. Because if there are list adjustments, which we expect with some degree in 2020 and over the next couple of years too, it could mean that clubs have already contracted a majority of their, their list. Gold Coast has 41 players contracted for next year. Brisbane has 36 or 37 already signed up. So they might not even want to use the minimum pick. So the AFL will consider whether it actually um, ties a minimum versus maximum picks or, or anything like that. And maybe just says, you know, you're allowed to go in with one pick this year. You might want to use five. If you want to use five, go for it. So there might be some differences in approach in that regard. However, there might also be, as you say, the clubs who say, we haven't seen enough this year. We're, ha- yep. we're happy to swap our first round in this year for next year's first rounder. Get out of this year. Bank ourselves uh, a pick for next season and hope that we see a little bit more of these boys. But look, I, I don't think you can go wrong in the top first first 20 or so picks this year regardless. So I, I think the recruiters will find some good players in there for sure. This is why you're the best in the business. You can read all of Cal's fantastic work at afl.com.au. Always great to catch up, Cal. Thanks for being with us tonight. Good on you, Jack, anytime. Hopefully that answers a few of the questions that you've got out there about the draft and how it's all starting to look for 2020. The answer is that there's still a lot of questions unanswered, if that all makes sense, but they're starting to work their way through it. And for those outside of metropolitan Melbourne, it's a good year to be playing good footy, I reckon, as a potential draftee. You with time on on SEN, we'll come back and catch up with some of the other stuff you've missed from across the day. Kane Corn speaking last night on Footy Classified. He thinks that there's no point in playing Brad Crouch for the rest of 2020. If I'm an Adelaide supporter, I reckon by the time Kane gets back, uh, by the time Brad gets back, which is another three or four games away, as you heard Kane say there, they may not have won one, they may have won one, maybe two, but not much more than that. I want to win any game I can possibly come up with of having a chance to win. And if Brad Crouch has a chance of winning that, so be it. His value to me won't change. We now know what sort of player Brad Crouch is. I think we've got more than enough body of work now to know what he's capable of and in some instances perhaps what he's not capable of. I reckon if I'm a Crows supporter, I just want him out there every chance that I get. But it's an interesting take from Kane. There's some logic, absolutely some logic in it for sure. Patrick Dangerfield spoke today on SEN. This is some of the stuff that you might have missed from across the day. It's available in full on the podcast now. He caught up with Jared, but here's Danger talking about his worry about the spike in injuries. Yeah, and I suppose that comes back to, you know, you're really only playing players that are absolute. 100% right to go, which sometimes you you can take liberties with, simply because you have those longer preparations, you're not coming off, you know, back-to-back four and five-day breaks, but I, I guess we're only going to find we're going to find out, aren't we? Like it's, it's a bit of an uncharted territory in terms of really very little training into playing a slightly reduced game length, into playing again in a few days' time, like our game this week against... Um, it's West Coast. We're following it up with Wednesday's game. Like, really, that only happens to Collingwood and, and 
Essendon once a year, depending on when that Anzac Day game falls. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It will be. But every club is going to be faced with the same sort of challenges in the next few weeks. Everyone's going to have to try and work out a way to have access to their best players or to manage not just their best players, their entire list as best as they possibly can. Stephen Cornelio, the captain of the Giants, has had an interesting 2020, came in for a decent level of criticism but answered the challenge in a big way in the last couple of weeks and spoke to Gary and Tim today on SEM Breakfast. Yeah, me personally, no, I'm definitely, definitely not at the, the level um, you know, I want to be playing or, or, or the coaches, you know, expect me to play or, or my teammates, you know, I'd be the first one to, you know, to put my hand up and say uh, I wasn't at the, the level required. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, I've, I always pride myself on, on, on working hard and, um, you know, obviously do a couple of different responsibilities um, this year and, and, you know, for me, you know, the last couple of weeks, obviously, have been a lot better, um, and you know I just needed to, um, you know, reset a few things and and, and go again. But um, yeah, definitely not the, the start of the year I wanted. However, I'm fully um, confident in um, you know my last two weeks and, and how they you know, responded and and how you know I'll go for the rest of the year. Thought he answered all the boys' questions really well, and that's what you have to do as captain. You've got to front up. And when you're not playing good footy, you've got to own it. And, and I thought he did a really, really good job today with the boys of owning it. Luke Hodge has been a superb... Talk about recruits in 2020. Luke Hodge has been a superb recruit for us here on SEN. He joins Jared every Tuesday, and he gave his take on the Daniel McStay bump. I guess I was a little bit like Robbo last night, and I hate that I agreed with him um, from his explanation. was I do believe McStay still deserved a week. Um, I thought two was a bit harsh, just the fact that uh, Jetta, how he sort of picked up the ball and then drove into Dan. Like he, he has to still have a duty of care and, and the way we're talking about protecting the head, protecting the neck, uh, there's got to be a suspension. But I think when a player with the ball initiates it as well, I think the two weeks was a little bit harsh. Um, in, in my opinion, I could be wrong, and a lot of other people are seeing it different. Uh, but in my opinion, because of the bloke with the ball has initiated, drove his head down, and he's done it a few times now. So, or even for, for Jetta's own well-being, you, you don't want to be doing that too often because the blokes that you're running into, you don't want to run into a mum into a Mumford uh, with that because it could be could be big damage. So, um, yeah, I, I, I felt there was it was definitely a week, uh, but I thought two was a bit harsh because of what Jetta brought to the collision. Yeah, I reckon two was about right. At the end of the day, I, I to some extent, Jetta did lead with his head, but he still got clobbered. And I actually don't think Daniel McStay meant to completely bury him in the head the way he did as well. He did sort of try and pull out late, but we just can't have situations like that going on. Some of the other stuff that you've missed from across the day, the NBL are having a superb run here of announcements, signings, and they're all fantastic names that are coming for NBL 21. The Hawks, no longer the Illawarra Hawks, just the Hawks, under new coach Brian Gorgian have signed their first import for 2020-21. Tyler Harvey, a renowned sharpshooter, 27 years old, and once scored 58 points in a game in a G League game for the Memphis Hustle in February of 2019. He is arriving for this season as well, which is a fantastic signing and big, big news. And the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have today added Yanni Wetzel to their list as well from the San Diego Aztecs. A New Zealander, he signed a two-year deal He's had a dominant, and I mean dominant, a marriage college season as the starting centre for San Diego State. So with uh, the retirement of Ty Wesley, 
And Keith Benson not coming back for the Phoenix. Some good size that they've added as well. And in Super Netball, a couple of the rules that no one really liked have been scrapped. Now, teams will have 12 players instead of 10 this year. The bonus system will be gone as well. So no bonus points. And the postponement of extra time for the draw is no longer for this upcoming season as well, which starts this weekend. That snuck up on everyone pretty quickly as well. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate all of your calls. Appreciate all of your texts. The footy, it all starts tomorrow night. I'll be back from 6 o'clock, though. First serve up next. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.